You're listening to Experts in Their Field, a podcast from the Agricultural Science Association, generously sponsored by Ulster Bank. Hello, listeners. My name is Anne-Marie Butler, and I'm the president of the Agricultural Science Association of Ireland. I'm delighted to welcome you to this, the first, in a new series of podcasts titled Experts in Their Field. We were delighted to be joined by Richard Hayden, Sports Turf Consultant and Managing Director of Hayden Turf Care for this, our first podcast. I started the chat by asking Richard to tell us a little bit about himself. Richard, many thanks for joining me this evening. Thanks very much. A pleasure. Richard, there's many strings to your bow, a most interesting uh, story and tale. Um, I suppose for those who aren't familiar with you, you're involved in an innovative and flexible approach to modern sports turf design, both here in Ireland and across the world, with the design, installation, management of high quality pitches of natural and synthetic sports surfaces. Um, As I said, it's from the amateur to the community, right up to the likes of UEFA and FIFA. But before we get into some of that more recent um, adventures, Richard, you might take us back to a little bit about yourself and just introduce our listeners to Richard Hayden and, and your background. So um, I'm originally from a place called Gregnamana in County Kilkenny. Uh, it's, it's generally rural, rural Ireland and uh, my dad was um, a store manager in Avonmore back then, which, which now has become Glambia. And I suppose my interest in agriculture and facets of agriculture came from us was hanging out with him uh, in the creamery, as we used to call it back then. And um, and from there, a lot of agricultural science graduates would have uh, gone into to Greg Namana and, and worked with my dad uh, at that time. And and I suppose that was one of the reasons why I would have went the agricultural science route. And um, you know, I learned a lot. Uh, you know, it's amazing how uh, some of the things you see as a child can come become quite useful uh, when you're working internationally. But uh, a lot of different types of characters in Greg Namana, and we were well, I was well able to use some of the experiences I had there to uh, guide me through some of the uh, work we've done internationally. Um, I think at the moment we've we've worked in about 52 countries. Uh, in 2020, I think we've delivered our 450th pitch. Um, so it's it's a big tally of pitches all over the world. A lot of people focus on, and we're talking a lot about the uh, high-level stadium type work, the international tournaments, but the core of our business is actually grassroots, uh, the likes of GAA, soccer and rugby, you know, they are the core of our business. It's nice to have the high-quality, high-profile uh, stuff as well, but uh, the, the small stuff is also very important. I know, Richard, when we were chatting, and I can recall being in college with you, um, every weekend you headed down to Kilkenny um, and worked on the greens in, in Mount Juliet. You might just comment on the importance of practical experience for people. Like, You know, it's very important, our degrees and, and postgraduate, but that blend, how important was that blend of the practicality for you in terms of where you are today and putting that science into action? 
Yeah, it was absolutely critical, um, and it allowed me to to progress probably quicker than I than I thought when I became a consultant because my time at Mount Juliet was was very important to me. Um, I was mentored down there by a guy called Aidan O'Hara, and uh, one fantastic thing about Mount Juliet was we did all our own work in house. It included drainage, irrigation, grass management, agronomy, everything. So. Ultimately, I, I had a great background in machinery operation and uh, equipment operation is so important in our industry and particularly if you go out foreign say and somebody is, is a dozer on a pitch and, and you're either trying to direct him or you're, you're trying to explain how you want something done. If you can jump up in that machine and show them how it's done, first of all, you'll gain the respect far quicker. But second of all, they'll look at you and they'll say, wow, I mean, if he's actually done it, maybe he's worth listening to. And that was one of the, the, the big successes of the South African World Cup in 2010, where we went out in 2010. I was working for a different company at the time. We went out in 2010 and ultimately uh, managed 85 pitches in 100 days to get them to a World Cup standard. Um, and, and a major part of that was the practical, hands-on approach. Um, there's a lot of uh, politics also and, and communication is important to off and dealing in countries where English is not their first language. Communication is important and communicating with people who are often true translators. So if you've got a practical experience uh, that you can demonstrate on the ground, that's, that's half the battle. You, you mentioned there, Richard, and I'd encourage all our listeners to go to your website. To be fair, it's, a, it's an excellent website. There's a great overview of, of I suppose, a flavour of pitches around the world. It's um, a bit of a, a tour of the world, to be fair to you, and most interesting. You might take us on a little bit of a, a tour, maybe one or two of the, I suppose, the highlights or maybe some of the experiences that come to mind. Yeah, I suppose if we if we started off, I suppose in the 2010 South Africa World Cup was was quite special. It was probably the launch of my international career. Uh, I just finished the pitch at Croke Park uh, in Dublin, and um, the um, the local organising committee for the World Cup saw a video on YouTube and invited me out, and I did a, a tour of all the stadiums and. Eventually, after uh, after after a few incidents on pitches out there, I was called out as an emergency recovery consultant uh, in March 2010 to to essentially recover all the pitches for the FIFA South Africa World Cup. Uh, it was a huge project. I had a great team of guys at the time with me, and and ultimately. It was very special because ultimately it, it put me on the world stage. Uh, I got to meet uh, the top brass in FIFA, Seb Blatter, um, the likes of Jerome Valk. I had direct dealings with them, uh, all very positive, by the way. Um, and, uh, you know, I got to do some pretty cool stuff as well, like flying a private jet around the country. Uh, I mean, they literally... They couldn't do enough for me to get this right, and uh, it 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 was fantastic. I mean, after three months working probably somewhere between eighty and ninety hours a week, I was ready to come home. Um, but from there, then I suppose another big one was Poland, Ukraine, and I went down into Ukraine in 2011, and we did the pitches down there, and, and worked unfortunately where the war is now uh, down in eastern Ukraine, uh, down in Donetsk, uh, and. Uh, Kharkiv Metalist and spent quite a bit of time down there and 
I suppose there was a lot of parallels when I talk about Greg Namana and, and Ireland in the 80s, I suppose. When I went to Ukraine, Ukraine and the Ukrainian people sort of reminded me a lot of, of the Ireland I grew up in in the 80s. And I was able to use some of that sort of experience to, to, to help me working um, down there. And we did a number of pitches in Ukraine. Um, one particular one was the Metalist Kharkiv pitch, which was designed to operate at minus 20, so we could have a green pitch uh, in an oasis of uh, an oasis of green in the middle of a snowstorm at minus 20, and um, it was owned by a very wealthy. Um, I suppose oligarch, if you could call him that, uh, Alexander Yaroslavsky. And uh, again, very interesting dealing with some of these uh, people and some of these characters, always very nice people um, and very appreciative of, of, of the work we did. Um, from there, another one that would come to mind would be the Brazil um, uh, Brazil World Cup. Did a number of pitches out there, including the Corinthians one. Uh, the Discovery Channel followed me uh, on that one, um, where we installed the world's first cooled pitch uh, for the semi-final of the FIFA World Cup and uh, most recently and I know I spoke about it at the ASA um, conference a couple of years ago was at St. Petersburg in Russia where uh, we did the pitch there for the uh, FIFA World Cup 2018 and uh, that was another challenge as well it's most interesting, Richard, and to be fair, as I said, your website is super and I'd encourage all our listeners to go there. There's, I suppose, to be fair to you, the Discovery Channel is, is excellent, well worth the view. Um, and I suppose it's important to recognise it was voted one of the best pitches at the World Cup that year, um, an award-winning pitch. There's some startling statistics, Richard, when you look, I think it was Brazil, um, over 2,500 truck movements to get pitch in and out and to build like huge logistics um do you enjoy problem solving or you know do you do you lie awake sometimes thinking of how you're going to solve a problem or do these things i suppose you don't panic to be fair well, I suppose we, we all have our own ways of panicking. Uh, I mean, if you ask my partner, Sarah, she would have a saying that I, I always prefer to be in the shit and I have to be in the fire. And I'm not happy unless I'm in the fire, in the middle of it, fighting another fire. Um, but uh, from there, I suppose, it's the logistical aspect of some of these jobs is, is uh, a major, major part. Um, when you're crossing borders, for example, with trucks, it's not just the truck movements. You're dealing with um, the likes of uh, uh, customs, you're dealing with phytosanitary, uh, when you're importing turf, um, customs clearances, uh, all that sort of thing. It, it is a lot of planning. Um, and and um, I suppose... I've done it quite a few times. I wouldn't say I don't panic uh, because I do, but I suppose I like to think at this point I've nearly seen everything. Um, but uh, every job you do, you learn something new. Um, and, um, you know, when it comes to logistics, I mean, particularly that one in Russia where we had, uh, I think it was 40 truckloads of turf to take uh, from Denmark, to, in Odense in Denmark, to uh, St. Petersburg, uh, which was a 2,500-mile trip. Um, and um, the moment you harvest that turf, it was starting to go off. So that was, that was pretty... Um, pretty scary um, but we managed it and a few big strategic points at a high level helped us I mean I've had a lot of um, experience of standing on the borders uh, the 
the, uh, on the border of a country arguing with a customs clearance officer that this truck needs to go through, it's for the president, it's for this, that or the other, but what we decided to do in Russia was move the um, customs pole to the stadium. So it was almost like uh, having it on our own ground then. So uh, as I explained to one fella, I said, we, if we have an argument, we'll have it over a glass of Jameson, not a glass of vodka. And uh, it, was, it, was, it was quite an interesting project. And lo and behold, we didn't have too many uh, customs issues on, on that particular project. Uh, a lot of good people um, surrounded me on that one. Um, for example, there was, I think it was 1,440 rolls of turf, and every single roll of turf had to be sampled and tested for uh, diseases, uh, insects, phytosanitary, all the all the various different things but the, in that case the customs really did work with us in other circumstances you don't have that sort of cooperation sometimes because sometimes it can be like calling in a dentist you know you're called in to recover a pitch and uh, maybe in the middle of a tournament and you're not as welcome as you'd like to be but you've got a job to do Thanks. are there times Richard like obviously we we all have our degrees um, and all delighted to have our BAG degree. Are there times when you're standing somewhere in any of those countries and you, you suddenly get a flashback to the degree and a subject you thought maybe may have worked or not worked and suddenly you're calling on that or is it a, it's a blend? Is that the foundation and you build on it as, as you go? I mean, the one great thing about the Ag Science was it was such a broad program, but you got a taste of a lot of things. But one thing that certainly comes to mind was it was doing a very high-profile international um, turf importation project. And um, I was trying to get the cooling temperature right for the turf um, in reef, reefer wagons, um, in, in, the, um, in the cooler wagons. And um, I just had a flashback to... 20 years beforehand and a lecturer called Da Wan Sun, I remember him well and and basically the thermodynamics uh, of cooling turkeys and I rang my mum in an awful panic to go upstairs up onto the attic and try and get me notes quickly that I was stuck and I needed this calculation and I, I had written it down and, and I mean that's an example of, of where I say well I wish I'd listened a little bit more uh, in, in, in UCD but in general the vast majority of subjects that I studied there I do use on a fairly regular basis the great thing is that with the UCD degree is going back to first principles it teaches you to go back to first principles because you're never going to be an expert at everything or anything like it but it'll mature you enough to ask the right questions and know where to find the answer be fair, Richard, we're a great country for sport and international sport. Sport unites us. Uh, so, it'd be remiss also not to mention you do a lot also with in you know the, the likes of the RDS and and the surfaces for horses and equine. Uh, any I suppose different comments there, or any different science at play, or or any developments that you know people are where the world is moving to in terms of of racing and the equine industry. Yeah, I mean, we've just completed um, the world's largest gallop project uh, at the Curra training grounds in Kildare, um, where we designed and specified a bespoke um, series of gallops uh, for horse training, and that's been very successful. Uh, great to work on a high-profile project like that. And uh, that's on the synthetic uh, side. We also, we're, we're specialists in the development of natural turf show jumping arenas. Um, delighted to have um, developed one for Keen O'Connor um, at his new facility there in Carlswood. Um, 
in the last uh, year and that's been a huge success and there's a general drive to uh, train horses and jump horses now on natural turf that wasn't there before because some of the standards we're introducing are beyond those which were available at the time and the likes of the RDS you know it's considered the gold standard arena in the world I've done the all England show jumping arena at Hickstead as well I've uh, just completed a very large private facility in Horsham in, in, in London. So, our business-wise, you know, equine probably accounts for about 20 to 30 percent of our business. And uh, it's nice to have a mix. It's nice to have a mix of, of different sports. I suppose with all the, the travel and the work and the consultancy, Richard, do you, do you get a chance to switch off or is there something that... Uh entertains you or where do you like to maybe go to when you're not uh, solving some of those problems with uh, with pitches and and temperatures yeah i, I was lucky enough um to to uh, buy a small holding with my partner sarah um a couple of years ago in, in yorkshire in england so uh we're into horses and uh, we keep uh, a number of uh, hunters and eventers and that's what we do in our spare time it's nice because it lets you s switch off uh, you can't really be on the phone uh, you have to be concentrating on what you're doing and I suppose uh, horses are my main vice uh, I enjoy it and I've got three kids as well and you know we all participate and I suppose that's how we spend our weekends uh, I've learned over time it's, it is very important to be able to shut down uh, you know I'm not a big fan of weekend working and unfortunately in our industry you know when you're in the events industry it can run right through a weekend uh, but, but I really try to avoid the working weekends and indeed I try to avoid any of our staff or suppliers doing work on the weekends on that basis um, and and uh, it's nice to just stop and recharge and, and, and relax and um, and that's how I do it um, and uh, looking forward to the winter now and maybe a slightly quieter time and plenty of horse riding. Clearly people are very important Richard like you're the key consultant there's a lot of people who work with you and around you and there's other teams that you link in and out with any advice for anyone who's listening to this, who's who's thinking of touching on any elements of that career or is interested in sports turf management or getting involved? Like, Any recommendations or advice for anyone who's you know starting out on that path or, or maybe starting it as a new path? Yeah, I mean, getting the practical experience is very important. I mean, you know, um, you can't just walk out of university or college and expect to uh, become a consultant. Consultant sells experiences, negative and positive, and you're selling people your experiences which didn't work as well as your experiences that did work. And um, it's very important to get the fundamentals right before you leave university in terms of first principles but then it's very important to get good training and consistent have a consistent uh, consistency about your CV not jumping around from one thing to another every few months um, other sort of bits and pieces I suppose is that you know social media is a big part of the world now you do have to be careful with it. Um, kind of glad that social media wasn't around in my day, to be honest. I'd say there's a few people listening to this who could tell a few stories, but um, it's it's it is important that social media will follow you. And um, from that perspective, it's just important. I had just a recent incident, you know, where 
you know, uh, really good, well-trained groundsman, put something up on Facebook and all his friends start commenting and, and suddenly a client sees it and you're answering questions. So, you know, it's important to be careful with social media, um, practical experience, and you're never going to be good at everything. And I'm certainly not good at everything and uh, far from it. Uh, you know, um, the company administration side of things, I just, I hate it. I have an excellent woman, Jane Burnell, she does all that for me. And I just, fire her in my bag of receipts every month and she's a saint and she gets it done. Uh, very good backup from um, my accountant as well, Adam Franks, and, and he's brilliant. And surrounding yourself with good people is important. It might cost you more. I've got an excellent guy here in Ireland, Joe Flaherty, you know, 50 years experience. I mean, uh, you know, he's, he's, he's been in this industry forever. And, and how do you buy that, you know? And um, from, from there, um, it is important. Actually, Joe, Joe won't forgive me for that. He's 40 years. He's not that old. <laughs> um, but it's important that if you're not good at something, hire somebody that is good at it. And that's, that's important. If you try to do everything yourself, you'll only end up falling flat on your face. And I suppose it's deli I'm delighted that Hayden Turf Care is, is, is such a success uh, as it is. I mean, we're not the biggest in the world uh, at what we do. We're, I think we're number four or number five, but there's not that many players in it. So uh, it's not hard to be uh, a fish in that pond. But, but, but what I'd say um, is, you know... Um, you know, treat, treating people well is important and, you know, we'd have a policy, simple stuff like, you know, we try to pay people in 48 hours and I just, it's a bit unique in a way, but it basically means that anybody who's ever worked for me uh, will know that if they do a week's work, it's coming that Friday evening and if it's not there that Friday evening, I'm, I'm upset and uh, it's just little quirks like that um, make us a little bit unique um, and, um, and I suppose the you know as people management go it is important to get the work-life balance and i have struggled myself in the past with that particularly as a small business owner you know i often say when your name is over the door you know yeah, it's yeah. your name is there and you're the one who has to answer the questions and um it's important to be able to just just shut off and and say right do you know what i'll deal with that on monday uh, and I have one of these huge lists that really never gets fully completed, but I'm, I'm glad that I've surrounded myself with some really good people. To be fair, Richard, you know, um, you're, you're a young man. Um, you've travelled the world extensively. You've touched on a lot there. Is there, without giving away any trade secrets, is there any bigger plan for the future? Or, as you said, you're, you're growing. Hopefully, maybe be that number one, no matter how small the, the segment is. But... Any other call-outs for the years ahead, or as you said, it's it's steady as she goes. Well, I suppose I've I've always had a strategy: deal with every year as it comes. I don't have. I'm not one of these people who does a five-year business plan. I mean, who would have predicted, you know, coronavirus? You know, um, so from from there, I like to deal with it on a year-by-year -year basis. Steady growth. We've increased our revenue and our our profitability every year for the last four years and as long as the curve continues in that direction I'm happy enough uh, because of our size uh, we, we've been able to we can adapt very quickly uh, to changing markets and I suppose I like to think that we'll be around maybe when some of the bigger fellas won't be 
Well, Richard, I could talk to you all evening, all night. Um, I'd say it'd be the perfect uh, company for dinner. There's plenty of stories to share. Um, look, on behalf of the ASA, it's to congratulate you. Um, we're very proud of you. Uh, I'm sure your late dad, I know his anniversary is coming soon. He certainly will be very proud of you, as with the family. Um, I'm a proud Kilkenny woman here beside you because you've, you've travelled to parts of the world um, that many of us will never see. So we just to wish you continued success. And as I said at the start, to sincerely thank you for being our first podcast. Thanks to Ulster Bank for their support. And um, maybe in a year's time or so, Rich, we might meet up again and see how the, how the year has been. Yeah, absolutely. It's been a pleasure and look forward to it.